Hello, everyone. I'm Al Grego, and this is the Yes, We Are Open podcast. Moncton, New Brunswick, situated on the Petticodiac River Valley. Nicknamed Hub City due to its central location of the Maritime Provinces, Moncton has a history as a railway and land transportation hub for the Maritimes. Moncton was settled in 1733 and officially founded in 1766 with the arrival of Pennsylvania German immigrants from Philadelphia. The city was named after Lieutenant Colonel Robert Moncton, a British officer who captured nearby Fort Beausejour a century earlier. Initially an agricultural settlement, by the mid-1800s a major wooden shipbuilding industry had developed. After the shipbuilding industry collapsed, Moncton enjoyed over a century as a railway town as the headquarters of the Intercolonial Railway of Canada. But then, in the late 1980s, the Canadian National Railway closed up shop, once again traumatizing the local economy. Moncton's economy has rebounded quite nicely since the collapse of those two industries. It's a much more diversified economy with insurance, information technology, education, and healthcare being the main sectors. In fact, the strength of its economy earned it accolades such as the best city for business in Canada by Canadian Business Magazine in 2004 and the fifth most business-friendly small-sized city in North America by FDI Magazine in 2007. Today, Moncton is New Brunswick's largest city with a population of 80,000 and in 2022, it was the fastest-growing CMA in all of Canada with a growth rate of 5.3%. I'm currently in downtown Moncton, in the parking lot of one of the city's fixtures, and the subject of this week's episode, Spin It Records and Video. As I enter the store, I'm immediately transported to another time, disappear by an excess is playing on the store speakers. To my right is a bank of five pinball machines, Jurassic Park, Lord of the Rings, X-Men, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Star Wars, followed by a Star Wars Episode One arcade game. Then there are shelves and shelves of DVD movies for rent. That's right, I said rent. Thousands of titles organized by director or production company or country of origin. Then beyond that, a Super Mario Brothers and Tron pinball machine, followed by two old school Tron arcade games and a Defender arcade game. It's a little overwhelming, but it doesn't end there. I walk through a doorway to another section filled with collectible figurines and classic video games. How's it going? This is incredible. (laughs) Amazing. You get to work here. (laughs) Living the dream. That's Ryan. He's worked at the store for six years. Today he's working the counter in this section. My eye is immediately drawn to a mint condition perfectly restored in television system. Ryan notices my interest and comes over to answer my questions. I'm marveling at some of the, the classics, like I'm looking at that intelligent system. I had two of them as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, when this stuff. one came in, yeah. how, how much work did it take for you to restore it? This one in particular was a very small job to restore. I literally just had to get a bit of built-up dust out of the center of the console, and then from that it was a quick wipe down. There was no real scuffs or scrapes on the machine itself. It was very well kept over the years. Is that what you do here then? You, you basically kind of restore gaming systems? And- it's just one of the many things, actually. I work all three counters here. The three counters Ryan's referring to are the movie rental counter that I walked through earlier, the video game counter that we're currently standing in, and just beyond that is yet another doorway leading to yet another large space packed with all things music, including CDs, vinyl, t-shirts, 
badges, and of course, more pinball and arcade machines. Just as my tour of the store ended, as if on cue, Patrick, the store owner, arrived for our interview. Hello, my name is Patrick Parise, and I'm the owner of Spinet Records in Moncton, New Brunswick. When did you open Spinet? I opened Spinet November 1st, 2001. At 19... I went to college, quit after a semester, went to university, quit after a semester. It's like, none of that is for me. I was working in an independent record store, and I thought, this is kind of what I want to do for the rest of my life, but I know that if I do it for this other guy, I'm not going to be able to make a living. It was actually my girlfriend at the time, my wife now. It was her idea. She said, why don't you just take your collection, put it up for sale, cross your fingers, see what happens. So I had... Um, a $5,000 line of credit. And I took that and I bought uh, an order of uh, t-shirts and pins and patches and some posters, that kind of stuff, and racking. So I just set up with that whole 5,000 bucks and my collection, which was about 4,000 CDs at the time. And put all in the store, crossed my fingers. And if I didn't sell, I couldn't pay my rent for the second month. I was going to be closed after one month. Was this your, the location you started in? This was not the location I started in. Okay. I was two blocks, same side of the street on Main Street, two blocks uh, down down towards the downtown. Okay. Uh, so yeah, stuff sold, turns out, mm-hmm. and I was able to pay my rent the next month, and I just kept going at it uh, for years. And uh, in the wintertime, we struggled after Christmas. So Christmas was busy, and then January, February, March, even pretty dead, and I was standing in line at Blockbuster Video waiting to rent movies and I thought to myself, I've got a pretty intense movie collection at home and they're all like curated titles. Like it's all really good movies that I'm sure that if they were for rent somewhere, they would rent because Blockbuster doesn't have these movies here. So I thought maybe I'll try that because there was lineups of people waiting for to rent movies at Blockbuster and I was in that lineup. So I took my storage room and I turned it into a small video rental section right. and it took off really? oh. this is 2005 2006 sure. so on a Friday night that little room was so packed with people picking their movies that it didn't make sense anymore mm-hmm. so then I opened a second store just around the corner which was the video store and that went really well, and the collection just became out of control. I just kept accumulating. So we had a policy that if there was a movie you're looking for and we, we don't have it, we'll get it for you. So next thing you know, we had 40,000 movies for rent. And, you know, it was tons of foreign film and the Criterion Collection, yeah. every movie that ever, ever won an Academy Award, uh, documentaries, festival films. So all these years later, we still rent movies, which Which-, which is insane. rent videos here still i mean we do we're the largest video <laughs> rental store in canada wow yeah i mean how many are left uh you know? not that many no not that many but yeah. the ones that are yeah don't have forty-one thousand movies and we do wow amazing <laughs> so 2001 i mean that's still kind of the beginning of uh digital music and like streaming wasn't heard of yet so i can understand kind of the, the music part of it mm. but the video rental i mean that's 
you know, Blockbuster didn't last much longer than that. Right? I know, exactly. <laughs> so when, when you were telling uh, your girlfriend, now wife, or anyone else who would listen, yeah, I'm going to open a record slash video store, did anyone look at you cross-eyed and go, what are you thinking? Actually, yeah. I uh, <laughs> There was a, a guy I kind of knew who had an independent record store mm-hmm. in downtown Moncton that had just closed up like the month before. Right. And... I asked him, you know, about running a store and I told him I, I was thinking about opening my own. Mm-hmm. He told me I was insane. Right. I was just nuts to think that I could make it work. Mm-hmm. And I was working at an independent record store already. Right. So there was already a competitor on Main Street. Yeah. So next thing you know, the one I left closed down not long after. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one downtown doing it. What was it then? What was it about your store maybe that allowed you to survive? Or was the other one just there too long and maybe too much overhead or i think it's because i was willing to do things a little bit differently i was willing to go out there and hit yard sales flea markets pawn shops i was always looking for good stuff so there's always good stuff on our shelves i know that the store i was working at they would order the same things over and over again so you know i would tell the owner how about instead of ordering these 40 patches every month why don't we get different bands or different styles? No, no, we're going to stick to this, to the, you know. So they were appealing more to the masses and you were appealing more to the hobbyists and the, and the, the people with, with specific interests. And once the mass media went away, your hobbyists were still there for you. Exactly. And like movie rentals, for example, mm-hmm. there's a ton of movies that yeah. you can't find on, on yeah. streaming site. And if you take every single movie on Disney+, Plus, Peacock, HBO Max, Netflix, mm-hmm. you add them all up, I have more movies than all of them put together sure. under one roof. So, yeah, people have to come out of their house yeah. and come downtown, but... It's if part they, of the experience. Also, yeah. you walk in, there's popcorn, smells good, yeah. there's knowledgeable staff, there's other movie buffs in the store yeah. who can talk to you about you know what they've watched lately mm-hmm. and recommend stuff to you. So that, that whole experience, you hold the box in your hand, you read the back, you look at the pictures. It's not the same mm-hmm. as flicking through Netflix endlessly looking for something that's good right. and not finding it because yeah. most of the stuff is garbage. Uh, as far as uh, the music side of things, CD sales definitely plummeted when Napster happened yeah. and then YouTube Apple Music, yeah. everything else that's out there now doesn't help CD sales. But there's been, you know, it, it's been coming back a little bit. I see more resurgence in vinyl. Yeah, well, that's definitely the, yeah. the reason I'm still open. If it wasn't for vinyl records having a resurgence, I'd be closed a long time ago. Really? So they're definitely what keeps me going. Mm-hmm. So I guess I've adapted with the changing times. Mm-hmm. So when I first opened, we didn't sell records. Right. We sold CDs and that was it. Yeah. Then, because back then, that, records were dead. Exactly. <laughs> right. So... Then we slowly started getting into records because we listen to the customers. If customers tell us they want certain things, that's Mm -hmm. what we get in. Mm -hmm. And I never thought I would get into used video games. Mm -hmm. Although I was always a fan of them myself, I just thought there's enough stores in town doing it. I probably can't bring something new to it. But then retro games became huge and we're a retro store and it became part of the recipe. Mm -hmm. So right now I feel that if we started selling just just movies, we'd be closed. If we just sold music... I'm not sure if we would do as well yeah. if we just sold video games, same thing. So it's, it's a bit of everything that makes it that every hobbyist can come to spin it and find something interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Check it out. The pinball machines is very much a passion project of our boss, Pat. Being a big fan of pinball, he's been wheeling and dealing, doing trades and buying out old arcades for years now mm-hmm. to kind of nail down all the machines that he'd love to have. Right. I started collecting pinball machines maybe 15 years ago. I was always an enthusiast when I was a kid. I loved pinball. And I very vividly remember the first time I walked up to one and played one. Mm-hmm. It was a huge part of my childhood and I just loved dropping coins. And then they went away. Yeah. There was no pinball anywhere in Moncton. So I arcades went away. I mean, yeah, I remember ar- going to the arcade all the time, and yeah, now unless you're at a movie theater, there's no such thing as an arcade. Yeah, well, even around movie theaters, mm-hmm. they didn't have them here. Yeah. So I started looking for them and collecting them. And back then, 15 years ago, they were worth nothing. Nobody wanted them, and nobody wanted to work on them either. Right. Now there's a, such a resurgence in interest of you know 40 somethings, mm-hmm. you know, well 30 to 50, I guess, sure. is the the, the range. But the hobbyists have taken over mm-hmm. repairing them. Yeah. So back then, the guys who were used to do it were retired and had no interest in touching them. Right. Now you've got, I've got a bunch of guys around Moncton now who really have watched enough YouTube videos and <laughs> tutorials that they know how to work on the machines. Right. And there's nothing I love more than to find a pinball machine in a barn with a, a squirrel's nest in it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And just to clean it up and bring it back to its former glory, make it work again. Nice. And to set it up in somebody's basement where it'll be used again. Mm-hmm. So you'll sell these too? Well, before the pandemic, I was flipping them quite a bit. I had amassed about 150 pinball machines of my own. Wow. And where do you keep them all? That's a lot of uh, space. <laughs> well, I've got a few buddies who have uh, some bars that I, oh. I, I've set some up in. Mm-hmm. But I've got a bunch here at the store and I've got a bunch at my house. And it's like a library. So if there's one that I'm tired of playing, I'll fold it up, put it in the garage, fish out the one that's folded that I want to play and set that one up instead. Right. So yeah, it's insanity. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so when COVID happened, mm-hmm. everybody wanted to stay home. Yeah. And so everyone wanted a person cave. Right. So the value skyrocketed on these machines. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, well, I better move some of these now because... They're at their highest. Right. They'll yeah. never be worth any more yeah, than this. So high, for sure. Yeah. So I sold about 75. Uh-huh. And then since then, I probably bought another 10. So I guess I'm at 85 now around there. I've bought pinball machines, you know, mm-hmm. from the States and from France. When I came from France, wow. had to be a, it took almost a year to get here. Was it worth it? <laughs> Well, it was worth it to me because it was one I really, really wanted. It was a, a Canada Dry pinball machine. Oh. And, uh, it was in France? Well, I was, my grandfather drank Canada Dry, so I'm a Canada Dry drinker. Sure, me too, yeah. And when I saw that there was a Canada Dry pinball machine that existed, mm-hmm. I'm a pinball freak. Right. And I'm a Canada Dry fan. I need to have one. That's hilarious. So I started looking and looking. I can't find one anywhere. And then I found out by researching that Canada Dry was launching their product in France and wanted, to, as a promotion, to have a pinball machine in every bar and corner store oh, okay. so that people would recognize the brand from the machine and then yeah. buy their pop. So they all went over there. <laughs> so then a couple, a couple years ago, I put a, an ad on some group in France saying, if ever there's a guy out there that has one of these that would sell it to me and consider shipping it to Canada, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm your guy. And it took a couple of years before somebody replied back and said, I've got one right. and I'll work with you and I'll get it back to Canada. Wow. 
So as far as I know, there's only another one in Canada, and it's uh, Ed Robertson from the Bare Naked Ladies. Really? He's a big pinball yeah. collector too, yeah. and I know he has one. So I think there's only two in Canada. Wow. So it's highly collectible That's and rare, and it, and it belongs in Canada. Yeah, it's absolutely. Canada dry. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So anyway, That's, but yeah. It's a rare one. You don't want to sell that one. No, I don't. <laughs> So you, you opened, you had success pretty much right off the bat that you had to open a second location for your video store. So you had the music and video store. Then when do you move to this location? Well, then, so yeah, so then both locations ran out of room because mm-hmm. I just kept accumulating more and more stuff and stocking more and more stuff and adapting. So when people were looking for arcades and pinball machines, mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I'll throw one in the store and see how it goes. Yeah. And it was always lined up. Really? So I just started putting even more. So I thought I need even more room. Yeah. So then this car dealership came available mm-hmm. just a block over from my old locations. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's a big space. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I could fill that. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> and uh, I did. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a big wow. store. You know, that there must be 20 pinball machines now and maybe a dozen arcades or something. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, we, we regularly switch the stuff over and we're ordering a lot of new vinyl. We're pumping out used vinyl like crazy. Mm-hmm. I just started working at a pawn shop when I was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. I worked there till I was 19, and then I started working in a used record store. Mm-hmm. So I always worked with used collectibles, right. and I just took my childhood bedroom, and I threw it in a store. And, and you made it your living. I made it my living. Exactly. And when your hobby is your job, yeah. you, never, you never work a day in your life. Up next... From music downloads to streaming to the ever-changing collectible market, Patrick's instincts and adaptability have helped him navigate Spinit Records and Video through one disruption after another over the past 20 years. But how will he navigate the global disruption of a pandemic? Stay tuned to find out. You're listening to Yes, We Are Open. Spinit Records and Video has seen a lot of change in the 20 years of its existence, yet they've managed to outlast larger chains in the ever-changing world of music, movies, gaming, and collectibles. But how will they fare with the pandemic and global lockdown? Let's find out. So if I were to ask you if there was anything that's happened in the last 22 years, I guess, of the the business uh, that uh, threatened the business, threatened to shut you down, what would that be? Um, Well, obviously, yeah, the pandemic was, uh, was harmful. We were forced to close down and we uh, had to lay everybody off. I think we were closed for almost three months. And I took all the expensive records that are displayed on the wall, like the the Holy Grail stuff, and I put them all on the internet. And that's how I was able to pay my rent uh, for those months we were closed. I couldn't do much work, really, because my wife kept working and I have two young children. So I was pretty much home all the time with my kids for those uh, couple months. So, yeah. When we reopened, some staff weren't comfortable coming back, uh, working retail at all. Mm -hmm. Because of that, I wasn't really in a place where I could hire new people. Uh, We weren't making that much money yet. So we just reopened with reduced hours. Mm -hmm. So we're doing 11 to 7 now, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. It's changed the vibe a bit, but we all like it. It's an eight-hour shift, and so I only have to have one person work, you know, each counter per shift. There's right. three counters. 
uh, where we used to have crossover. So I'm saving money in salary. Sure. So that's one plus. The movie rental side of it has definitely taken a nose nosedive. Yeah, because like before COVID, we had a lot of people renting movies on the regular. Mm-hmm. People had to make new habits while we were closed. Yeah. So they discovered streaming sites that they might have not known before. Yeah. A lot of them I know started pirating. You know, well, it's free. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's their that's their thinking. Kind of easy. Yeah. yeah. So when we reopened, uh, a lot of people didn't come back right away, and some people didn't come back at all. Sure. A lot of people who rent movies are of a certain age, mm-hmm. uh, who haven't quite embraced technology yet. Mm-hmm. A lot of those people were the most afraid yeah. of catching COVID. Sure. So they just weren't willing to come out. Yeah. They didn't want to leave their home. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Now that we've been, you know, reopened for a while now, we're re-seeing some of those people coming back mm-hmm. because we still have the selection and there's people that we hadn't seen in a long time who were younger as well, True. who just said, we, we went around Netflix, we're done. Yeah. There's nothing left for me to watch on there. Nothing good anyway. Yeah. And, you know, here the movies are divided by director. Mm-hmm. So you walk up to the Scorsese section, his entire work is there. Mm-hmm. Alfred Hitchcock, his entire filmography is there. Mm-hmm. So it makes it so much more interesting if you're a film buff yeah. to go, I'm going to watch every movie in the Criterion Collection. Mm-hmm. We have the complete collection here. Right. So it's definitely... Uh, Four film buffs at this point. Sure. And every month there's a list that comes out. These are the top 10 movies you can't find on any streaming service. Mm-hmm. And I look at it and it's great to know that we have them all. Yeah, it's great. You know. Was there any point where the business might have been in doubt, where you weren't sure whether you'd be able to reopen when you were allowed? No, no. because... I'm too stubborn for that. Mm-hmm. I would have. All, I always find a way to make things work because this is what I want to do with my life. Sure. So I never, for a moment, thought you know that I, we would close permanently. And obviously, when the government funding came in, mm-hmm. it gave me some breathing room, right. and I was able to keep going. So it definitely worked for us. How long have you been able to open? freely again a year oh a little over a year yeah i'd say yeah okay. i can't remember exactly the date but i mean business is great i'm not saying it's bad uh but has it bounced back to pre-pandemic yeah yeah i would say it has mm-hmm. but i would say it's because record sales have gone up right. to compensate for video rentals gone down mm-hmm. so how much longer am i gonna am i gonna stick on the video rental thing i'm i want my kids to grow up in a world where a video store exists mm-hmm. so i'm probably gonna keep it going for a while it's not losing money Mm -hmm. so as long as it's not losing money i'm okay but the days of buying 10 copies of a new release are over i'm buying one or two now which is unfortunate but you have to adapt and a lot of people want the library and if the library disappeared i think it would be a huge disappointment to a lot of people who are into culture in moncton like just a cultural scene overall because yeah if you can't get them here you can't get them online either a lot of them so i'm going to keep sticking to my guns and keep renting movies as long as I can because it was such a huge part of my childhood and right. people walk in and it's an instant trip down memory lane mm-hmm. to walk into the video store and then to see all the arcades and the pinball machines and then see all the vintage all video sure. games and action figures and collectibles and, yeah. then, and, then the, and then you walk into the third section and it's CDs and vinyl galore it mm-hmm. just keeps going
Coming up after the break, we find out what the future holds for Spinit Records and Video. Success in business doesn't come without moments of struggle. Moments when you had to face your challenges head on. As the proud partner of Canadian business, Moneris plays a critical role in empowering businesses with the payment processing tools they need to succeed. Together, we are building stronger businesses where business owners everywhere can stand up to their challenges without slowing down. Moneris, proud partner of Canadian business. Welcome back to Yes, We Are Open. Spinit Records and Video have been able to adapt nicely coming out of the pandemic. While video rentals are slow to rebound, vinyl sales have filled the void, and they've adjusted their hours and purchasing to reflect their new reality. So what does the future hold for Patrick and his company? Let's find out. So what does the future outlook look like for Spinit Records? Uh, for now, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because it keeps working. I'm going to try to order... Even like I've already started, but I'm going to keep doing it, ordering stuff that people can't pirate or download or stream. So a lot more t-shirts and posters and flags and patches and stuff like that. The uh, arcade pinball thing, there's quite a few in here already. I'm pretty maxed out for space. Yeah. I'm trying to empty out all my storages mm -hmm. so that I can price all the stuff that I have in storage in this building so that I can make those rooms as part of the store to add floor space to the store. Oh, okay. So there's, there's room for expansion in this building. Yes. Except that right now all these rooms are filled with stores. records. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that was my next question is, well, have you considered moving locations, finding a larger place somewhere else in Moncton or <clears> are you happy to stay where you are here? I'll stay here until my lease is up for sure. Mm -hmm. I've got, you know, four years left on my lease and then I'll see what downtown looks like then. And in terms of as far as the future with this place goes and, and you, what, 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 do you, what would you like to see for the future of this place? Um, I'd love to see our arcades expand a little bit. And uh, Is that even possible in here? I, I know it, it gets quite tight. But uh, aside from seeing a little more arcades in here, as long as keep people are still interested in you know older media and keep bringing stuff in, I think we'll keep at her just the way we are. There will always be people looking to either sell or get rid of, you know, old stuff that they don't need. And there will always be people looking for it, too. So, you know, as long as uh, people still like to be entertained by the physical media, I think we'll always still be around. You basically started a business from your hobby, mm. doing it now for successfully for 22 years. How does that feel? It feels great. I never really thought that I would be here still in my 40s. I, I wouldn't do it again when I was young. I had nothing to lose. Right. To start over, it would be pretty scary, I would say. Sure. But you didn't know any better. Exactly. I didn't know any better. So yeah. I just took a chance and, you know. So I, uh, I'm very happy that the store is still successful. Uh, that when some tourist walks in who's never been here before and gets blown away, and I, I see them taking their phone out and taking pictures and you know, selfies with the, of themselves in front of a, a machine or right. or things that they haven't seen in years mm -hmm. or or when people just are ooing and aahing about that nostalgic feeling that, that overcomes them when they walk in. Sure, I was doing that over an television system that I had when I was a kid. Exactly. <laughs> I love that feeling yeah. that it brings 
joy to people mm -hmm. when they walk in. And people love nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. We sell nostalgia. We sell good memories. And after COVID, that's what people like to remember a time when they were at their happiest. Right. You know, the last few years have been a bit rough on people. And mm -hmm. when they come in, it's like they're revisiting their childhood, happier days. Gotcha. So yeah, I feel good about that. Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you. This is a little embarrassing, but I was so distracted by everything in Patrick's store that I forgot to ask him the most important question. So I had to call him back. Patrick, I forgot to, I'm so embarrassed, but I forgot to ask you this when I was uh, in your shop the other day. Uh, uh, is Spin It Record and Video open? Yes, we're open. Perfect. That's all I needed. <laughs> That's the story of Spin It Records and Video. It's easy to say that you should turn whatever you're passionate about into your career. But if it were that simple, everyone would do it. Passion is important for sure, but it isn't enough. You still need to commit and work hard at it. And often, that's enough to turn any passion into a chore. And really, who likes chores? That's what makes stories like Patrick so motivating. Not only did he take his passion and turn it into a career, but he did it in the face of some overwhelming disruption. I mean, in the 20 plus years he's been in business, he's witnessed the effective end of music CDs, video stores, but also the return of pinball machines, arcade games, and that once ancient medium enjoyed by your parents or grandparents, the vinyl record. But Patrick stayed the course. He adapted. He opted for quality over quantity, although he also had quantity. He decided that curation and expertise would be valued by enough people to keep his business going. More importantly, Patrick realized early on that he wasn't just selling CDs or records or movies. He was selling nostalgia, and there will always be a market for that. American novelist Kate Christensen once referred to nostalgia as a powerful drug, and I couldn't agree more. Spin It Records and Video will likely never become a franchise with multiple locations across Canada. It's not what we would call a scalable model, but that's okay. It's enough for Patrick and his staff, and it was definitely enough for me as a customer. In fact, if I'm ever in Moncton again, it is definitely on my list of stops to make, and I strongly recommend you do the same. Yes, We Are Open is a Moneris podcast production. I'd like to thank Ryan and Patrick for taking the time to share their story. You can learn more about Spin It Records and videos at spin-itrecords.ca, and you can follow them on Facebook at Spin It Records and Video. For more information about this podcast, visit our site, yesweareopenpodcast.com. If you'd like to support us, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a Canadian small business owner or know of one with an interesting story of perseverance to tell, I'd love to help tell it. You can contact me at podcast at Moneris.com. Tune in next week for another story of small business struggle and survival on the Yes We Are Open podcast. I'm Al Grego. Thank you for listening. Thank you.